I'm going to guess that you don't want to have to retire early twice. That's right. I'm going to guess that you're going to want to retire early one time, feel that you're in a confident position to do everything you want to do and not have to look back and go, oh my gosh, I wish I'd worked another six months or just another year. I would have been able to do everything I wanted to do without worry. Today, I'm going to go over what you need to know so that you truly can retire early only one time and without any regrets. Now, I am going to go over, of course, a recent review. I love highlighting the reviews that come in, so please continue to leave those. Today's review, D. Merrick, lots of useful information for getting the most out of your hard-earned retirement savings. I didn't know what I didn't know before listening in, so glad that this has been helpful. As always, if this has been helpful, please do leave a review. It helps more people find the show, and my goal is to help a million people retire early. So let's hop right into today's episode, which is, of course, I hope you only have to retire early once. And for a lot of you, our clients listening to this, a lot of you are people that have been listening for some time. For the new listeners, please know that when you look at an early retirement, there are two people. There are people that retire early, and there are people that retire early with confidence. And I've seen both. I've seen the people that retire early, and they second guess going out to eat, and they second guess traveling, and they worry, oh my gosh, if I spend X today, what does that mean when I'm 85? And then I've heard other people that are like, I retired early, Ari. I did it with confidence. I have a plan. And that thing in the back of my head, I just don't worry about anymore because I have confidence. And so today I'm going to go over what are the things you need to think about, the five core things plus a bonus thing at the end of how can you make sure to think about these things so that you retire early, truly only one time with confidence. The first thing is income. Now this is pretty straightforward, but I'm going to show you how I think through it a little differently. And I hope if anything, it's just more not confirming, but it just brings more clarity. That's my goal today. Your first priority is to ensure you have enough income to never run out of money. That's obvious, but you don't want to just run out of money. You want to optimize your money. So it's not just the first year of retirement or the second or the fourth or the 10th. It's all the years, 20, 30, 40 plus years. And for a lot of you, you want to retire early mid 50s, early 60s, late 40s for some of you. Okay, we need income for 50 plus years. How much do you need? That is the question. And it depends on what your retirement looks like. Yours can be very different from your neighbors and your coworkers. So start here. Don't beat yourself up with getting an Excel spreadsheet right going, Ari, what am I going to pay for cable in 20 years from now? Oh my gosh, what's my phone guilt? phone bill, excuse me, going to be for with inflation. That's not the goal here. The goal is to stay high level. Don't get that paralysis analysis. Just start high level. Go through this podcast. You don't need to be writing anything down, but have a very clear sense of, okay, here's what I should be thinking about. What are basic living expenses? Okay. I think housing reasonably might be in this boat. Maybe I'm going to relocate and it's going to cost less at that time. Don't have to go through deep analysis, but housing, utilities, insurance, food. What are the costs to survive and live comfortably? That's what I want you to do. Number one in your head, basic living expenses. Most people have a general sense of this. Number two is what about the fun stuff? Travel, hobbies, entertainment, giving, lifestyle. Some people call it discretionary, but just what are the fun stuffs? And what I'm going to do to help out is I'm going to give you a link to the budget here, a budget tool that I want you to use. You're going to be able to see it in just a second here. Actually, you can see it right now, of course, in the description below today's episode. If you're on the podcast app, you'll see it there. It's probably the second or third link there. You're going to see it clearly listed as the budget to use. And I'm just giving that away. Just go use the budget. Hope it's helpful for you. Number two determine, this is of income, just to be clear here, kind of sub points to income, determine where's income going to come from. It's easy enough when you're working, income comes from your salary. But guess what? There's a new employer in town and it is you when you retire early. So in retirement, there's going to be savings, meaning you probably have some cash. You're going to have a 401k, maybe a Roth IRA, a brokerage account, inheritance, social security, pension, rental income. 
multiple smaller income streams that probably make up your total income. So ask yourself, what's the best social security strategy for my situation? What amount in account should I pull from first? How many income needs will change over retirement? Because most people don't spend the same amount in the first year as the last year. And there's a smile, it's known as the retirement smile that a lot of people talk about in the industry, which is you smile, also known as retire, you tend to spend more, you have your energy and health, then it comes down, you spend a little bit less, then it shoots back up, call it the smile, comes back up. Maybe there's some frowns and smiles along the way, but the goal here is that you're not marrying your expenses, expenses, excuse me, but the one question I get all the time is how much do people actually spend in retirement? And I'll tell you right now, most people are between that six to 8,000 of core expenses, and then maybe it's another 20,000 a year for travel or something along those lines doesn't mean it's right or wrong. You might listen to that and go, Ari, that's way more than I could spend if I wanted to, or it's, Ari, I don't know how on earth I could retire with that, and you're not wrong, and you're not right. People typically think, I'm retired. It's time for me now to move into my 60-40 portfolio. And so you can guess number two here is your investments. It's the wrong way to look at it. In fact, I had someone, and if you didn't see it, if you're not on my email list, you might have missed it, but I had someone send me the best gift ever, and I'm looking at it right now, so if the audio kind of comes out for a second. Forgive me. I'm trying to use the microphone. It says anti-cookie cutter jar, love the pod, meaning someone literally sent me the coolest gift ever, which is, yeah, I am anti-cookie cutter. I don't believe in asking you, what's your risk tolerance on a scale of one to 10? You're like, Ari, I don't know, maybe a five or an eight that day or a two if I had a bad week and how old you are. I just, those are two questions that I don't believe in asking when it comes to creating your actual investment strategy. So investments, how do I come up with them? It has to be a reflection of your lifestyle, that you're trying to create in retirement. So I don't start with your age and risk tolerance. I start with how much income do you need? Hypothetical here, you go, Ari, I want 100,000 bucks. I say, great, what's the average market downturn? You go, I've heard your podcast. You say it's between two to two and a half years. I go, great, but what if we retire at the worst time? Let's just double it, five years. So that tells me as an advisor, I need a minimum $500,000 or five years worth of living expenses set aside in safe, call it war chest assets, as we say here at the firm, so that you can not have to worry whatever's happening in retirement. The rest can be, of course, fluctuating for growth. Now, some people go, Ari, I get it, but I don't want that fluctuating for growth. I want to make sure that I can touch those. I've worked very hard for it. I don't want to see it go down tremendously. I say, wonderful, you don't need to. But there's two terms here that I like to give, risk tolerance and risk capacity. Risk tolerance is essentially how do you emotionally feel with your investments? I might show you that a 90% equity allocation and a 10% bond or cash allocation can meet your goals financially. And you might go, Ari, I get it, but I'm just not looking for that experience. I'm looking for, you know, at most my, you know, million bucks or two million bucks or five million bucks, 10 million bucks comes down, you know, by 20% at most. I say, great, we can do that. Here's the trade-off. It's we're limiting growth over here. And you might go, Ari, that is a trade-off I'm so happy with. I just, I needed to see it. Awesome. So you can see it and make the decision there. But investments just have to be a reflection of the lifestyle you want. So don't start with your investments. Start with your income. If you have a great pension and social security benefit and that covers all of your needs, okay, well, your investments can be a little bit more aggressive. If it's the opposite and it's, hey, I don't have any pension that I want to rely on. I don't have rental income. It's just my investments. Okay, well then guess what? We need to be a little bit more conservative because we need that income to come from somewhere. Now, you live comfortably maybe on partial social security and the timing of it and pension and rental income, maybe all the timing's different and it's already, how do I plan for that? 
Well, the way you plan for it is you make sure your strategy is showing the different ways you pull income in different years. So that's kind of on the investments, fairly high level. Third one here is the tax strategy. Taxes could easily be one of your single largest expenses in retirement, and you should consider Roth conversions for most of you. Not everyone, but most of you should consider at least, doesn't mean implement, but consider shifting money from your pre-tax IRA to your Roth IRA. I say it in most of my episodes on taxes, but you probably have heard the famous cauliflower example where I tell people if you were to not do anything I'm talking about on taxes, you in the future might have a dinner plate and that dinner plate might be full of cauliflower and you're going, Ari, I want pasta or I want steak and I'm going too bad. You only get cauliflower and you're going, why is that? And it's because you didn't eat your vegetables early on. And this is the whole example with Roth conversions that I give is, and also I get it, trust me, I can hear some of you already, you sent me a note saying, all right, I like cauliflower, choose a different vegetable. So sorry, cauliflower is the one I, I've stuck in with. And so most people just know it by now. Um, and so with cauliflower, what I tell people is what you're trying to do is eat a little bit of cauliflower so that in the future, you're not forced to eat a ton of cauliflower even when you're full. Eating a little bit of cauliflower is like doing a little bit of a Roth conversion so that in the future, you don't have to eat a ton of cauliflower or pay a ton in taxes. So it's this idea to minimize your taxes, not in a given year, but over the course of your lifetime. So that's number one, Roth conversions. Number two is tax gain harvesting. If your taxable income is under certain limits, you can realize gains from the sale of stock and you might not have to pay any federal taxes on it. So are you taking advantage of that? When you hear how do the ultra wealthy pay 0% in taxes, this is what they're talking about. I have a whole episode dedicated to it. Number really, I think I'm sub point four here, tax loss harvesting, donor advised funds. These are other tax strategies that at a minimum you should be considering. Is charitable giving an important part of your plan? If so, makes a big impact to your overall retirement strategy. Tax loss harvesting. Are you looking at your accounts and going, if I had losses, can I sell those to lock in that loss and then buy a very similar investment for tax purposes? How does that factor into your income streams with Social Security? What does that mean? Well, it might mean that when you're looking at Social Security, you're going to be pulling Social Security earlier than you expected because you need that income to live off of. Maybe it's the opposite. You're going, Ari, I don't want to collect Social Security until I have to because I know I can implement some of these strategies and keep my income even lower. So there's all these different ways of looking at it. Now, those are some of the fun, sexy things. I'm not saying the next few aren't, but these are two things that a lot of people overlook that I just want to make sure that you go, okay, I know I need to do it. It's not fun to talk about, but how is your plan protected? Life insurance, health insurance, long-term care, homeowners, umbrella, depending on where you live, earthquake insurance, flood insurance. I know it's not fun to go speak with an insurance agent about these things. I get it. I do it. My clients do it. But these are one of those things that I say you just have to do it. It's like going to the gym, doing that one exercise that you know you don't like doing, but you know it's good for you. These are the big ones, though, that I see in retirement. Life insurance, do you still need it? A lot of people are still paying premiums that I believe are potentially unnecessary. Now, if you're sleeping well because you enjoy the policy, okay, but most people do not need it for those that come to me. Not everyone, but for most. So what if you redirected those premiums to actually pay them toward yourself and invest them and do what you want with those proceeds? Health insurance. You can imagine this is a big one, so big that I wrote an ebook on it, and you can see it in my description of healthcare. Can you make sure? Uh, here's the complete guide to 
health care for an early retirement, health insurance. Are you or your spouse under 65? What health insurance plan is best until you reach Medicare? Once you're at 65, what Medicare plan is best for you? Before 65, do you need to keep your income low to qualify for a subsidy? That, guess what? Ties back into your tax strategy. It doesn't matter how good your retirement looks on paper. If it's not properly protected through a quality insurance strategy, it could be dismantled pretty quickly, even if you worked very hard for it. And then lastly here before the pro tip is estate planning. Money is very personal. And for most people, they don't just want to protect themselves, but also the ones that they love. So is your estate plan properly updated and is it most effectively implemented if something were to happen? Do you have beneficiaries updated? Very easy, very quick. Can you go into your accounts and ensure, you know, have you remarried? Has your name changed? Do children need to be adjusted there? Any other update there to life where it's, hey, a best friend did pass. I need a different contingent beneficiary on my one IRA or, you know, yeah, I do have that one account, but I think my advisor has a different account. Did that get updated everywhere? Very quick, very not so fun, which I realize here. Let me be the not so fun person that reminds you of these. Um, is your trust and will up to date? Do they still contain provisions that reflect what your intent is? Is there an intent to leave money to children? If so, is that going to be dramatic? What does that mean for tax purposes? A lot of people don't want to wait to leave the money to kids once they've passed. They'd rather help today while they're still alive and when their kids could actually best use it, whether it's to buy a home, saving for their education, paying to bring the whole family on a vacation. Estate planning, a lot of people just think about when they pass, less so about what are things you can do while you're here. So estate planning is not just about ensuring what do you do if you were to pass, but what can you do today? Can you have the right documents in place? And can you be intentional about going, my estate plan is to try to spend every last dollar I worked for. Other people, it's, hey, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking to leave X number to my children. Other people, it's, hey, if there's a home left over, great. That's what kind of I want them to receive. It's totally dependent and there's no right or wrong. And then here's the big one, the pro tip that I'm leaving at the end. I want you to know your purpose, not because you need it 100% dialed in before you retire, but some people, and this might shock you, but they're like, all right, I am scared to death to retire. I don't know what on earth I'm going to do. And so much so that they keep working, even if that's negatively impacting their health. And I'll tell you why they do it, because it's easier. It's easier to keep working. It's familiar. You already know it, and I'm going to guess you're really good at it. So I put this last, but it really could go at the beginning. If you don't have a clear purpose of what you want in an early retirement, well, it's a good chance you're going to be disappointed when you get there. It's very hard to know. And one of the things that we did here at the firm is we added someone on staff who is a retirement lifestyle coach, not because you need that. But for some people, it's very helpful. I could call myself that, but the reality is I'm not. I love numbers, and that's how I do my planning. But it is, of course, only in light of what's the goal here. It's not to die with the most amount of money. It's not as if you look back on your deathbed and go, I did the best Roth conversion strategy ever. You go, no, I were able to do 10 more trips than I thought I could with my family. I loved it. The goal here is to make sure you're really fulfilled in retirement. And what are your family expectations? What would my parents think if I didn't work as long as I did? That holds a lot of people back from retiring early identity. What are you going to be if you're no longer a teacher or an attorney or a business owner or a financial advisor? Structure. What are you going to do? You're going to wake up Monday morning. Okay, what time are you waking up? 
8, 8.30. And I know a lot of you are going, all right, you're making me think so hard already into the future. You're right, I am. I want you to dial this in and I want you to feel confident about it. So ask yourself, you know, close your eyes. Perfect world, what time are you waking up? And you're going, Ari, maybe it's 6.37. And then, okay, are you gonna go play pickleball? Okay, if it's not pickleball, are you gonna go read the news with a friend? Okay, if you're gonna do that, then what does that mean in the afternoon? Are we volunteering? Is it every single day? Is it a few days a week? People often don't do this work because they think it's simple. And it's simple, but it's not easy. And it's one of those things where, yeah, it is simple. It doesn't mean it's just easy to go do. And so I want to make sure you're doing this tough work because the older we get, the less often I find we actually put ourselves into new experiences. One of the most important things that you can do for a successful early retirement, and this is coming from the people that have retired early, is to embrace the beginner's mindset. Learn to love that process of starting over, recreating something, and let that be the the real question is, what would you do if you knew you just couldn't fail? That's the reality. You're now going into this new phase of life. It's not an easy one. It's a scary question, but what would you do? Are you working because you know it's easier to keep working or is there something you just have never done? And if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? To me, this is one of the scariest things for people to consider, and that's because you've done the same thing you've done for a very long time, and a lot of you, your identity is being an amazing saver, and it's really hard to get out of that mindset. So I'm going to keep sharing financial tips, as always, on how you can get the most out of your early retirement, but I also want to make sure that we do not forget why are we doing this. It's to live this dream life. If a lot of you are, and if you are going, all right, I just can't wait. Once I can retire financially on paper, I'm retiring. I'm good to go. For you, awesome. You didn't need to hear that as much as others. But I want to make sure that you are absolutely understanding there's an end goal to this, which is, of course, not just the biggest number on your spreadsheet. So that is all I had for today's episode. Hope this was helpful. If you're looking for a custom strategy, of course, you can reach out to myself. I'm going to limit, of course, the number of clients. I think I mentioned this last time in a few other episodes that I personally am going to work with in the future. I just want to make sure we're always able to service more people. And so if you're looking for a custom strategy, you, of course, can reach out to apply with me in the description of today's episode. Thank you all, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Early Retirement Show. If you have a question that you want answered in a future episode, you can always go to my website, earlyretirementpodcast.com. That's earlyretirementpodcast.com. And you can go ahead and submit a question that I'll look to answer in a future episode. Thank you all for listening. Please do rate it, review it, and share it with someone who you think would benefit from this information if there's anyone out there that you know. I certainly appreciate it, and I will see you all each week. Hey guys, it's me again. Please be smart about this. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as financial, tax, or legal advice. Consult with your tax preparer or financial advisor before taking any action. This podcast is for informational purposes only.